Bonjour, hello, and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick of the Blitz podcast, hosted live on the Locker Room app, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I am Justin Heyer, here with Nick Bellotto and Trevor Heyer, and today we are breaking down Miami Dolphins at Arizona Cardinals. It's our weekly Dolphins Friday preview show, going to Tuantungo Veloa's second start as a Miami Dolphins quarterback uh, under center. So, gentlemen, obviously, as always, lots to unpack today. We've got a lot of things to discuss on offense. Some new okay, but hold on. The first thing to unpack is the fact that you and I, Justin, share a namesake. We share a last name. We do. And yet Nick Bellotto came after Justin Heyer in the intros today, which well, I, guess Bilotto, he's, he's I guess is not medical. I guess it is not medical. He's second but... on my locker room screen. Man, I know and I'm the other statesman are. of the group, so I, exactly. I think I should go first, if we're being honest. And we other statesmen, and that, so I might as well get first dibs. You were All also here is... for yesterday's show, Nick, so that, I mean, maybe gives you a little bit of a... Uh, hey, if I was invited yesterday, I, I would have been here. Uh, I'm just, I'm just messing around. But guys, we got, we got <laughs> news, we got news coming hot off the press, right off Twitter, like literally minutes before the show started. Uh, so let's, let's jump there first. It's actually not too related. The Dolphins are without... They're top two running backs in this game. Miles Gaskin landed on injured reserve with a sprained MCL earlier this week. But now Matt Breida, who, as we all know, is a favorite of mine, if you've been listening to this show, he didn't practice at all this week with a hamstring injury. So his status for even next week is up in the air. But he's already ruled out for today. So the Dolphins have Jordan Howard, otherwise known as Mr. One Yard Per Carry, Patrick Laird. For a touchdown. <laughs> Patrick Laird and Sylvan Ahmed, who they claimed off waivers from the 49ers, just a few weeks ago. I don't think even he's seen a snap yet. I don't know if he's been active yet. But those are the top three running backs. That's not good. <laughs> so that's certainly no. going to impact the offense. Especially How do we think when, the, yeah, like, when we're comparing to, just to go to Arizona for a second, when we're comparing, I think it's Chase Edmonds, who's averaging like six yards a carry. It's like not only are we without our top two running backs, but the running game wasn't even so great to begin with. So, I mean – one of the things that we talked about a lot as these weeks have gone on, other than Tua, is the fact that we've really been sort of looking, hoping, and even in some cases praying for the running game to sort of pick up pace. And not that they haven't necessarily picked up a little bit, but the expectations were, I think we can all agree, um, not super high to begin with, but we're definitely not seeing specifically from the likes of Jordan Howard what we were hoping to see. So this is obviously disappointing, though not a devastating blow given there wasn't a ton going on there anyway. Nick, what do you think? I I, I think, yes, I think the, the running game has struggled. You know, we're 28th in the league with 90, what was it, 98 yards uh, a game. It's not good. Um, but this is, I think this is going to be a problem. Um, I, I, because you haven't seen anything from Jordan Howard. He is not, he has not been playing well. And I think that's an understatement. Um, Patrick Laird is, uh, Patrick Laird is, you know, Nothing to get excited about. Um, I didn't even know there was a football player named Sylvan Ahmed until uh, a few minutes ago when I had when I had seen that news as well, Justin. So I think I think that this is going to be problematic because you know with a rookie quarterback you need a a decent run game uh, to to help take the pressure off that guy. I think I think that that is a good way to uh, keep the game close is to have a solid run game uh, against an Arizona offense that can score a lot of points. I think this is going to be problematic, but on the flip side of things, it might be exciting because you might see a little bit more of number 10 running around out there. 
Malcolm Perry, for those who don't know the Dolphins <laughs> roster as much as we do. It's it's definitely possible. You know, the Dolphins, it seemed like they wanted Perry to be uh, – yes, jack of all trades. You saw him at wild card quarterback – or wild yeah, – wild card, wild cat quarterback there a bit for the Dolphins last week. Um, but I know they wanted to use him at slot receiver. I'm not sure if that's going to come into play more now, now that Isaiah Ford was traded. Lynn Bowden, who I thought maybe would take up a little bit of the running, he was just placed on the COVID list. Um, they're not, it hasn't yet been announced if it's because he has it or is a close contact or a high risk or whatever. Um, but he's now not traveling with the team. So maybe they throw Perry in there. I honestly think we'll see a lot of Patrick Laird because he's been pretty much the only guy to get snaps at the position outside of Gaskin and Brita over the past bunch of weeks. So he's coming off an ankle injury, but I believe he practiced in full today. So I think Patrick Laird will be there quite a bit. I'm sure Jordan Howard will get his shares of snaps. I'm not sure, though. If he's ineffective, they're going to pull him. Like, he's he's going to have a short leash, right? I agree. Yeah, I don't I don't see he, – he hasn't been active for three games. They're not going to yeah. go out there and just give him, like, you know, 20 carries on Sunday. There's no way. He's going to have a short leash. Listen, if he plays well on first and second down, then maybe you keep Patrick Laird on the bench and use him where you can, and Jordan Howard might give you something. I just don't expect that. I think, I think this is going to be – a problem for the Miami Dolphins offense, a big problem. Yeah. What disappoints me most of all is I was really hoping that with Tua's second start, he'd be in a better position to play a better football game. And with this sort of lack of dimension on offense, given the loss of, you know, our two starting guys, it just, the expectations obviously for any rookie guy in the second week are never sky high. And I don't think anybody was expecting an astronomical change from week one to two in terms of Tua's starts. But this definitely makes it more challenging for him to continue on that upward trajectory in what is a pretty crucial time in his development, obviously, given the second game. So I'm just I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm thinking that at least this week moving forward, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to see what Tua really has in this first year. Yeah, I agree with you, Trevor. And I think I think part of that comes from I'm predicting a lot of third and longs. In this in this game, uh, absolutely. I don't think the running game is going to give you much front first yes. and second down. So, I, and I think that's just while it's possible that Tua is going to be able to convert a lot of those, Miami hasn't, especially in the last couple of weeks. Although we've been winning football games, we have not been great on third down. Um, so, I think that you know, if we extend the the distance that we need to convert in order to get that next set of downs, I just think it's going to be problematic for a rookie who didn't look, you know, gangbusters last week. To make those plays. So I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to have a really big, I think, negative impact. Unless, listen, uh, I came in. Salvin Ahmed, let's go. <laughs> let's see what you got, man. I hope you are the next coming of any competent running back, really. Or if Jordan Howard can just get going a little bit. I mean, my goodness, we said this every week, but let's just get the ball moving in the right direction a little bit. We can see maybe something a little bit not as bad as. And part of the reason that he was struggling so much is because as good as the Dolphins' offensive line has been in pass protection, and it's been pretty solid, the push on the interior offensive line, specifically in the running game, has been sort of lackluster. Jordan Howard is not someone who makes guys miss, especially in between the tackles, and he needs a bit of a runway. And he has. But we do that. agree he's underperformed at this point. Oh, 100%. Of that. Okay. Again, that's an understatement. That's just, an wanted to, just wanted to be totally clear with that. Yeah, no, no, no question at all. I, I, I think they'll go to him on early downs and then uh, rotate between Laird and potentially Ahmed on, on, on passing situations. What's going to be key, by the way, and who gets snaps and what's often overlooked is whoever can be competent in pass protection. 
is going to uh, definitely see the field more because they're going to want to make sure Tua has the protection around him, not only in the offensive line, but in a running back who could pick up a free blitzer. So I'm not sure of those three guys who's shown that in practice. Uh, it's not, not something that we've really gotten to see from any of them during the course of the season. Laird has gotten more third down work than any of them, really because he's been the one most active. Uh, so that'll, that'll be something to take into account as well. I'm curious what you guys are expecting out of Tua at this point. Um, are you expecting the Dolphins to uncork it a lot more than what we saw in, uh, in, in the Rams game? Obviously, they didn't have to. And when I say uncork it, downfield. Or do we think it's going to be still a lot of quick hitters getting the ball out of Tua's hands as fast as possible? The latter. Well, the latter. Except for what Nick was just articulating with those third and long. So if we're talking about, if we're talking about short sort of slant routes, three or four yards past the line of scrimmage, I think ideally that's what the offense is going to be trying to do this week, although I'd certainly like to see some more down-the-field shots just because it's more exciting. But if we're talking about what's going to be necessary to convert third and longs, I think we're absolutely, because of the lackluster running game that we're anticipating, I think we're going to see some shots that are you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of over-the-top 40, 50-yard bombs, um, but it's definitely possible, especially considering how high-powered this Arizona Cardinals offense is, which, if I'm not mistaken, is leading the league in total yards a game. So certainly we're going to have to keep up somehow, some way. And given the lack of running game we're going to see this weekend, definitely possible we'll see more of that this week than last. I I think that it's going to be, uh, you use the one un, word uncorked, I think it's going to be very uncorked. First of all, I think in comparison, I think we all agreed on uh, Monday's show that Chan Gailey did not call a good game, and it was very limited. And a lot of that was based on, obviously, uh, a the, completely the, corked game, if you will. Yeah, it was. It was basically. Yeah, you might have had a little bit of that. Uh, uh, the air coming out of that bottle, but you didn't have a whole lot of it. Um, Gailey, I, I don't see that being the case, and I think part of the reason is you're not facing Aaron Donald this week, right? The the Cardinals' defense is good, and they've been a great defense this year, and I think statistically a very good defense in the top half of the league. But there's a difference between Aaron Donald and everyone else. Um, so I think part of that game plan that we saw on uh, last week was predicated, predicated on the fact that we were concerned about that pass rush. Um, so I think there are going to be some more shots downfield. I think we are going to see if we can work Devontae Parker, uh, uh, Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki into the, the downfield passing game a little bit more. Um, because I do think that the Dolphins, I don't think you're going to get the same performance from the Dolphins even to got last week. I think they're going to let up a lot of points to a very high-powered and strong uh, Arizona Cardinals offense that seem to have been clicking before their bye week. So I think it, they're going to have to um, take some shots downfield. And I, I think they're going to try to do that early and often. Andrew, I'm, yeah. curious, uh, I'm curious what you think. Thanks for jumping up here. Definitely. Good, sirs. How are you doing today? Doing today? Sound with a great intro so far um, to this show. Uh, you know, it is a key point. I think, Trevor, you, you're the one that said it, either you or Nick, about um, not having to face against the ferocious pass rush this week because um, um, Aaron Donald, obviously, last week and the Cardinals not having Chandler Jones. And, you know, that one for me with hopefully Chan Gailey, um, and, and two obviously didn't have to do too much. I mean, that, that pass rush of the Rams is just a ferocious thing to start against in terms of your first game. And NFL, particularly if it's Aaron Donald, as that first turnover was on Sunday. But I think that he will uh, open it up um, a, a lot more um, this week, allowing Sua to not only get it to Parker, but to get it to Gasicki a lot to try to 
get some good schemes for him, for Williams, um, you know, to make it happen. And, and Jack King Grant to really utilize his ability where, I mean, it, it's time to have him be as dynamic as he is on putt returns on the offensive end um, in terms of being that quality third receiver. So I, I think that they're going to open it up. I think there will be, obviously, those concerns of dealing with Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson in the secondary, how they can be ball hawks and do their thing, especially how Buda Baker, arguably the best safety in the NFL. But I think that's going to be key um, is to not have to deal with the pass rush that they had last week against the Rams. And without Chandler Jones, despite that secondary, that Cardinals defense can be susceptible, um, particularly over the middle of the field. So I think that Tua has a chance to really have a good game. I, I do think there could be an interception uh, coming the way, considering that secondary of the Cardinals. But, I mean, I, I think it's going to be just a really exciting game between the two um, quarterbacks who are like Russell Wilson's protégés, I would say. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Flores is able to deal with a dual-threat quarterback where, you know, against the Cam earlier the season, they couldn't really stop the Patriots running that ball. And that's the one type of quarterback that Brian Flores, just like with Belichick, can struggle against here and there. But um, if they – with how that off, how that defensive line is playing right now and the pressure that they could, if they can contain Kyler Murray in the pocket, then um, it, it, it could be a Dolphins win and, and more momentum building. Yeah, that, that – containing Kyler Murray point, I think is certainly what the Dolphins defense has been keying in most on over the course of practice this week, because if you, and you, you, you mentioned it, you hit it on the head when you talked about Cam earlier in this season, the Dolphins biggest defensive struggles came against mobile quarterbacks. Yep. Cam Newton, Josh, yep. Yeah. Cam Newton, they struggled against for sure. They had a lot of trouble containing Josh Allen as well, mm-hmm. not only through the air, but on the ground. So whether or not they can contain Kyler Murray, which has been really the bane of this defense's existence for several years containing mobile quarterbacks, whether or not they could do that is going to really determine how they handle the Cardinals' defense. The Dolphins' defense is top of the NFL in points per game. Yep. It is last in the NFL in, uh, in rushing efficiency, in, in defensive rushing efficiency, literally 32nd. So mm-hmm. whether or not the Dolphins are able to contain the Cardinals' running game, and yes, Drake is out, but Chase Edmonds has been just as good, if not better, is going yep. to is going to determine the defense's performance. Yeah, you're uh, here on that, Justin. Um, and you would hope so with a guy like Christian Wilkins, I mean, who's made his plays in terms of getting to the passer. But, I mean, he is. It, they need to really stuff them because this Cardinals' offense is already difficult stopping Murray when he – doesn't have those design runs and he scrambles, but you know Edmonds is is really effective. Um, he's become arguably like a better um, a better uh, versatile bat than Drake. And Drake, obviously, as you guys know, him being a Dolphin and how explosive and talented he is. But Edmonds, um, if you had him on fantasy with Drake, you'd be very happy that you got Edmonds. And if you were a Drake owner, you'd be like, damn, I should have got Edmonds. So yeah. Um, yeah, you said that right there, Justin, is the fact that he can be very effective. So, yeah, I, I, I would boggle down that as the key to the game, at least for the um, Dolphins defensively, because Murray, he'll get his throws here and there with their receivers, but your secondary is, is formidable, too. So, um, and he, you know, sometimes he could not see the line over the line occasionally. And, you know, Howard and, and Jones are 
good enough to pick him off. So as long as it's rolls well too. So it's going to be an exciting game. I can't wait to really see this on Red Zone. I wish it was the game of choice and not having to be subjected to any of the um, local action here in New York, considering how bad these teams are <laughs> in New York. <laughs> Andrew, yeah. I just want, I want to key in on something else you said, and this is certainly not the biggest points in the game, but Jakeem Grant last week obviously had that extremely explosive uh, return touchdown. Yep. You mentioned something about being a threat as a receiver. I, in terms of on the offensive side of the ball, he's somebody that I'm really looking to see sort of take that next step this week as we're going to have to see more passing plays from Tua. My hope is that not that he becomes certainly a number one or number two guy, but that he sort of becomes this sort of speedy flex type player that Tua can rely on on yeah. those particular plays where that, you know, speed is the predicate. And we saw how explosive he can be. And we all know as Dolphins fans, his potential on not only the returning side of the ball, but potentially on offense. And so I really like that point. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if he can sort of play a bit more of a prominent role this week. And to build yeah, on that a little bit, to build on mm-hmm. that a little bit, uh, Trevor, I think I think that this is this is a Jakeem Grant type of game to see if we can get him involved in kind of a pseudo running game, uh, not necessarily lined up as a traditional running back, but in a lot of end around plays and a lot of bubble exactly. plays That's to exactly try and get him. him. Yep. Yeah, because because if, if this running attack is going to be severely weakened with the loss of Gaskin and Brita, you've got to You've got to run the ball sometime. Right. You can't throw the ball every single play because. That you, you just can't. I think we all know that. So I could see Grant kind of filling into that kind of, and, and Malcolm Perry filling into that pseudo running back role to get the ball quickly out of to his hands and let them kind of make something with some blockers in front of them. Yeah, appreciate it, Nick. You know, the minute Albert Wilson opted out for COVID, um, it, it, it put it on a notion of Shan Gelly that he really needed to have um, Grant have a role on the offensive side. At some point of the season, like a real, a real um, game-breaking role to be that guy, that speed guy on a quick pass, on a bubble, on a, a motion play to really utilize his abilities. And um, you know, he, he's got 14 catches on the season, but I think that for and he had four catches against the Jets, so that was a decent game. But he only got one catch last week against the Rams, um, you know, and one against the 49ers week four. So. They, Jan Gelly, he's got to really step up here. And, you know, I feel he's among these coordinators who haven't proven in his career to be truly um, exceptional and, you know, fortunate probably he's in the NFL because of the lineage. But um, I just feel that there needs to be something that um, we can see that he can utilize a guy like Grant's talents because, I mean, Tua can be able to spray. He's shown in Alabama that he can get the ball out quick if need be where he doesn't hold on to the ball all the time. And um, it's just about utilizing these guys and Grant can really be that, that guy for them to really take the pressure off of Wilson and Parker. So, uh, and Gesicki as well too, because Gesicki I think is um, really still so underrated. And I feel if he gets the ball more, he can really produce at that level. We see of Kelsey that we see of even um, of, of Kittle because he, doesn't fear anybody, and he's just coming to the league and just really um, balled out. And I'd, I'd really like to see, we're mentioning these guys, Perry, Jakeem Grant, these guys that, uh, you know, more gadgety players, guys who haven't been, you're not going to rely on them for 100-plus for yard receiving games, right? Devontae Parker is that guy for Miami's offense, and 
over the course of the past three games, he has 88 total yards right after going for uh, over 400 over, over the course of the first four games. So I'd really like to see Devontae Parker be to a go-to guy to see that connection start to become established, right? It's, it's, Tua has this really yep. accurate intermediate to deep ball, right? And that's where Parker specializes. So to see Devontae Parker get targeted eight, nine, ten times this week would be really nice after not really getting to see a whole lot of targets over the last three games. He's going up against probably Patrick Peterson, right, for the Cardinals. But Patrick mm-hmm. Peterson is not the same Patrick Peterson that he was half a decade ago. Patrick Peterson yep. has a middling 54-ish grade on PFF. I'm not saying he's bad or uh, a, a burnable corner right now, but I could see Devontae Parker winning a bunch of those contested catches, a bunch of those matchups. So for yeah. him to become Tua's security blanket would be nice. It'd be nice to start seeing that connection established on the perimeter, especially because it's, you know, to see Tua uncork it a bit, that's the guy he's, he's going to be uncorking it too, right? And, and I'd, like to, I'd like to see this offense run a lot of plays where they're moving the, pack, the pocket a little bit. You know, yeah. some designed rollouts to kind of get Tua on the move and have him kind of be able to kind of give him an extra second potentially to, to read this field and see, see what options are presented to, to him. Because you're right, Patrick Peterson, while he's not as good as he used to be, he's out there. Buda Baker, Andrew, you, you, you have made the, the claim that he's one of the best saves, if not the best in the league, especially right now. You, you want to be able to get an extra second to kind of see what things are going. I would love to mm-hmm. see the Dolphins really move the pocket around for Tua uh, in, this, in this one. Yeah. Nick, you said that right on that. They 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 need to really mix this up for him. And uh, I think even with that Rams pass rush and how clever their defense is, that Gailey should have did a lot more uh, for that for his young quarterback because Tua, you know, he's never had any issue making all the throws. Like when he was healthy, he made all the throws at Alabama. So he is not limited at all to what he can do. He's mobile, not only in the pocket, but can move decently. Obviously, he can't run like Kyler Murray, but, you know, he can make plays with his legs. So, um, you know, that is the case. And, you know, Justin, you said it right about Patrick Peterson, where even when Peterson's, like, physical, physical peak, and he's still pretty fast now, even his peak, and, you know, he had his days and everything like that, but he still got beaten by certain receivers who were able to, you know, get it off the jam, and be able to just get a little bit on him. And sometimes Peterson, he will utilize his, his athleticism and doesn't always have the greatest technique sometimes. So Parker certainly, you know, he, he is able to get open at least a few times a game against any corner. And um, I think that they will at least make an emphasis on getting him those balls in those matchups and not shine away. So that's going to be fascinating to see. And I, Oh, no, I can't wait for this game. Like, it, it is a better option than the Giants and Redskins, well, formerly of the Redskins, uh, Washington FTs um, on, on Sunday. And I'm, you know, I, I'm certainly anticipating this matchup with full, full, full enthusiasm. It's been a long time since the Dolphins were a matchup that people were interested in, in taking a look at. So, yes, I am also excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so let's, if we were to, to zoom out, if we were to zoom out a bit and take a look at this game on a bit more of a macro scale when we're talking about the course of the Dolphins season. So you have the Cardinals coming. The Dolphins are in there at four and three, two games behind the Bills in the division, one game behind or tied with rather the rest of the, uh, the um, 
wildcard teams. I think they're tied with the Raiders right now for that seventh wildcard spot or uh, maybe the eighth seed. Macro scale. This is an important game for Miami. So you have the Cardinals coming up, and then you have four pretty winnable games against the Chargers, the Broncos, the Jets, and the Bengals before a bit of a gauntlet to end the season and the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills. So after this Cardinals game, like I said, four winnable games. If the Dolphins could win this game, what does that do for the course of the rest of their season in the context of that schedule? Is that like, okay, it's, it's playoff time in Miami if they could come out with a win here? I mean, with the expanded playoff format, I think so. I mean, even if they were to take a loss here, I think they're, they're going to be in, uh, in decent shape to make a playoff run because they have those four games. And, you know, you don't, you know, they have those four games coming up. The, the game against the Chiefs, obviously, I think everybody would be surprised if Miami takes that one. Um, but the Bills and the Patriots have not been playing well. So you, you might, there might be more wins out there. Uh, for this team outside of those four games. And, you know, I think that it would be very Dolphins for them to drop one of those four games. Um, but I, the playoff aspirations, yeah, yeah no kidding. Um, playoff aspirations are real in Miami, especially with that exp- expanded format. You do need a little bit of help from the rest of the league, but the way it's always worked in the NFL, if you do your job, you know, you're, that's how you get in the playoffs. You do your job. Uh, don't worry about everybody else. So I think playoff aspirations are 100% on the table. Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially, I mean, if we can see the offense start to match the defensive prowess, at least in terms of points per game, being first in the league, obviously we're not expecting the Dolphins offense this year to be anywhere close to number one, but if we can start to see those efficiency numbers, those points per game numbers move up, um, I think it, it's, this is a very, very good looking sort of latter half of the season. And to that end, I think that this is quite clearly a much bigger game than we had anticipated in the beginning of the year. Um, so I'm, I'm, I share Andrew's enthusiasm. I know I share your guys' enthusiasm. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. My hope is that the offense can get things going. I certainly know that the Cardinals offense is going to have things going. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what the Dolphins are going to be able to do to match the Cardinals offense. Okay. So with that in mind, then Dolphins potentially picking up this win, if you were to pick, uh, you always see the the TV networks do this, like as the game's starting before the game. The key to victory, right? The networks love to do that. Key to victory. If you were to pick one key to victory for Miami this week, we can each pick one. Where are you looking as like, okay, this needs to go right to overtake this Cardinals team? My answer is very easy. Contain Kyler Murray. Contain Kyler Murray. Because like you guys, like we were talking about, and Andrew jumped on, was was talking about a little bit too, Kyler Murray is that dual threat quarterback that Miami has struggled with that. The key to the game is making sure that he doesn't hurt you on the run because this team, this Dolphins team is good against the pass. And I would, I would rather uh, force Kyler to throw the ball and trust Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who have been playing great the last few weeks than to get beat on the ground with Murray's legs. So my key to the game is the Dolphins must contain Kyler Murray on the ground. In the words of the great Nicolato, I completely agree with you. That's definitely the number one key. If it's if it's number two, I think it comes down to Chan Gailey being able to to sort of coach and create a, a more efficient, more high powered, more uncorked offense. Justin, what was the word you used for like the likes of Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry? What did you call those players? gadget players? Gadget players. So the key to the game is not relying on those people specifically and solely, but I do think that if we can get creative on offense, if we can give two of more ways than one to move the ball, especially as Nick was alluding to about 10 minutes ago with certain end around plays, um, 
certain ways in which we can sort of spark that offensive movement. I think that's going to be, if it's not containing Kyler Murray, I think getting the offense going, putting a spark under there, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if we can have a much more well-coached, much more well-cohesive, and, and ultimately much more high-powered offense going into the Okay, so for me, for me, it's keep the pressure up. That's, that's where the Dolphins' defense, as Saul affectionately calls it, Saul that I believe is, in, is, is listening right now, uh, the teal curtain. For this teal curtain to keep the defensive performance going, the pressure needs to be kept up. And that, that's how the Dolphins, pretty much all of their wins uh, this season have come when they've been able to successfully pressure the quarterback. Kyler Murray is tied for fourth in the NFL right now in, in interceptions, or in most interceptions, with, with seven. So to force some of those errors from Kyler Murray, where he has a couple of errant balls, if they can do that, the secondary will come down with the ball. The defense, the secondary specifically, is that good with Xavier Howard and Bob McCain, Eric Rowe being ball hawks, Byron Jones being a pretty damn good lockdown corner. So if they could pressure Kyler Murray and force some of those errant throws and therefore win the turnover battle, that's my keys to keep the pressure up, keep the pressure up on Kyler Murray, keep the heat coming off the edge. I think that's the most important. And I think that's directly connected to what I was saying, Justin, is if they're going to contain him in terms of they, if they, if they're going to send the house that they were doing against Jared Goff last week, if they're going to try that zero blitz with, and just play that, that tight man coverage, you better get him, right? Yeah. Because you can't give him all day to run around. If you're going to blitz like that, you have to bring him to the ground or force a – you have to impact his play. You can't let him just scramble, run around, and then find DeAndre Hopkins. You've got to be consistent and effective with the pressure you bring. Yeah, exactly. All righty, coming up on that half-hour mark, that's always our – our, our alarm to give our game predictions. If we're going to predict how this game turns out, gents, where do you see this one going? 27-24. Oh, man, that was my exact score. I ran out with the score prediction. Okay. I knew it was. That's why I just jumped in there. My I, exa- knew you, I, I, I knew you were going to do that, Trevor. And I couldn't beat you to it, and that was it for me. Yeah, I, agree. I totally agree with Nick. 27-24. Okay, so I, I'm going to say the Dolphins keep the Cardinals out of the end zone even a little more than that. Dolphins offense has been the epitome of Ben don't break. So I think we're going to see maybe like a, a 16. Offense or defense has been, you mean defense has been Ben. The defense has been, okay, sorry, exactly. Sorry. So yeah. they'll give up yards. This Cardinals offense will get yards, but I think they settle for field goals more often than they'd like to. So I'm going to say the Cardinals get 23 points here. It's like three, like three field goals and maybe two touchdowns. The Dolphins are able to get, not just a bit more than that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go about 26, 27, 23 for Miami. And overall, can we keep the Cardinals who are averaging about 420 yards a game yeah. under 400 yards? I don't, I'm not expecting that. I think the Cardinals will get yards, uh, but I think, I think the Dolphins need to hold them in that. So in the yards, but not conversions for touchdowns is what you're saying. Right. That, that's how the defense has been all, uh, all year. It's been give them a few yards, but when it matters in the red zone, you, you. Okay. Exactly. And uh, listen, th- this is, I think this is a tougher test for Miami than the Rams were because the Rams offense has been much streakier than the Cardinals has been. And so that defense is really able to Imagine use. saying that at the beginning of this year. Right. It's I mean, interesting. it's really it, interesting. Yeah. So uh, this is a much tougher, much tougher test for Miami's defense. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how Brian Flores tries to game plan for this one. I don't know if you guys saw, there was um, a turning point. Uh, NFL Films does one of these 
uh, I, I'm not sure if it's one game a week, but they do this thing called turning point, where they show the turning point of a game, how it got there, and they they showed the entire sort of game plan of Miami's defense and what Brian Flores did. Brian Flores brought more zero blitzes, which means no no safeties. Everyone's blitzing, and then it's man defense on the rest of the receivers. More zero blitzes in the game against the Rams than as I think any team has done this season. I think it was the statistic they said. That won't work against Kyler Murray because if he escapes the pocket like once, which Jared Goff can't do, but Kyler Murray can, it spells doom for the guys trying to play man defense on, on Hopkins and, and Kirk. But so to see where Brian Flores goes in a sort of different creative direction for this defense will be very, very interesting because obviously he's able to get uh, quite, quite creative on defense, uh, much more than a lot of other defensive coaches in the NFL. All righty, gents, that brings us towards the end of the end of today's Dolphins preview. Any, uh, any last minute notes for today's show before we sign off? Let's keep them sacks coming from Agba and Lawson. That's uh, I want to I want to see more more of that. Those guys have been great, and I want to see that uh, continue. I want to see Malcolm Perry touch the ball at least five times this week. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say I want to see Malcolm Perry touchdown. That would have been well, that would also be acceptable. But I'm just also- hoping for touches. <laughs> Alrighty then. Um, I think that's I think that's all we got then for today's show of Pick the Blitz. As always, thank you so much to the locker room for letting us host our show live on here. We'll be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found with this show within the next 24 hours, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Our show from yesterday, which Nick and I were on, our all-NFL preview just went up within the last hour, so make sure to uh, take a listen to that if you haven't gotten to quite yet, and we'll be back on Monday for our recap of the Dolphins-Cardinals game. Until then, thanks so much for uh, everyone who jumped on live, and uh, see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. Thanks.